Well, hello. I'm back. Um, it's been a hot minute. That's like my saying every time I come on here and do this. Um, I haven't done too bad. July 8th was the last podcast, which is huh, just over two weeks ago. I'm doing pretty good for my fortnightly promise, even though I know I haven't done that previously. But who cares? It's my podcast. I do what I want. I live my own life. Um, yeah, so, part two, HSP, um, so last episode, um, probably listen to that prior to this one, otherwise this episode will make absolutely no sense whatsoever, um, but I, just to very briefly cover what I covered in the last episode, I talked about, um, what a HSP is, so it stands for Highly Sensitive Person, And I just went through um, a blog post that detailed some of the features of being a HSP. And I wanted to do more episodes because I've been reading the book by Elaine Aaron, The Guru. Um, Her book is called The Highly Sensitive Person. And and she came up with, um, yeah, this whole terminology, did decades of research on it is still doing research on it so I really just wanted to cover like just work my way through the book actually because that's where my main interest is at the moment um it might not be for you and that's totally fine um I still feel like you will learn something from listening to this podcast I hope that you can um because there will no doubt be um HSPs in your life if you aren't HSP um, and I hope it gives you a greater understanding of those people um, I had a uh, like I have a little journal thingamajig and I wrote down a list of realizations I'd had after discovering that I'm a HSP um, and just before I launch into that there will be crossover obviously between each of these episodes I'm going to obviously repeat things about HSPs um, that I have already said in previous episodes. I can't really avoid that one because I recorded the other episodes a while ago and my memory for every single little schmeckle that I said is not going to be ideal. So, um, there will be repetition and like any good politician, um, that's the best way to get the message across. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, so just be aware of that. You might hear the same things a few times, but that's okay. Um, that's the way I learn the best anyway. So I had a list of realizations. Um, so realizing why I take things personally a lot of the time that I take everyone's feelings on. Um, I often feel this like intense sense of overwhelm and sadness sometimes through my like entire chest and tummy like really strongly really viscerally um and oh yeah being super sensitive at school and then being teased about being sensitive as if that was going to make me less sensitive um feeling overwhelmed if there's like too many conversations happening around me at one time so if I'm like out socially and I'm at a table and there's 
like several conversations happening. I won't know which one to kind of be a part of. I'll like do a bit of shopping around which one sounds the most interesting, but then I might jump across to another one if I'm like, oh, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, but just finding that really overwhelming, um, reaching in that regard, reaching a limit of social exhaustion, um, being so hangry. I'm furious until I eat. Um, this was more when I was a kid, but intensely missing my parents went away on school camps. Like that was all I could think about. I just wanted to go home. Like no amount of anyone telling me, Lisa, you're just here for like three nights was going to make that go away. And I think I've realized I probably just needed people to comfort me and, and give me a cuddle, like what my mum and dad would have done, um, had they been there. But I feel like people kind of, um, responded in a bit of a harsh way. Like, you, you know, um, you shouldn't be missing your parents. Like we're on a fun camp, like just get over it, suck it up. And so I felt probably more isolated and then subsequently missed home even more. So there you go. Um, I like noise, but only if I'm the one creating it. So I can be a pretty loud person, but I actually really like quiet. It's so weird. So contradictory, I know, but that's just the way I am. Um, given I'm a high sensation seeker, and that's part of my HSP trait, I get overwhelmed by multiple things, but I often seek them out. So I have like 50 side hustles, like 50 little side hobbies that I do. And I like, I'm constantly doing all like little different projects and things, but then the thought of all of them just really overwhelms me to the point that sometimes I just won't do any of them because it's all just too much. Um, I had a bit of an attachment to my toys when I was younger. Um, and I heard another HSP talking about this on TikTok and a part of me thinks that was because I didn't have any siblings. Um, and I was a little bit socially isolated, but I'd have like, I'd give them a name and they almost like took on a personality almost. And like, no, I didn't see them moving. It wasn't like something off a TV show, but I just, yeah, had this deep attachment to them and they had to go with me wherever I went. Um, I struggle in an open office. So for the first time in my life in the last two years, I've been working in an open office and that is really hard. I just find it really difficult, um, to just focus. I'm so over aroused by all the sounds, the smells from the kitchen, which is right near my desk. Um, like everyone moving around, phone calls, people talking loudly, the bright lights, the lack of natural air, like it's a lot. So that's something I work on every day and I just find ways to um, minimize that stress. I might go for a walk over my lunch break or I'll go into one of the interview rooms and just chill for a bit by myself um, or put noise cancelling headphones on. Um, yeah, various things. Um, needing naps after doing a lot. So this came about after I'd been, well, sorry, during when I was on some medication, um, the antidepressants, which I mentioned in an earlier episode, um, I've never been able to nap before in my life. And since being on that medication, because my anxiety was so much lower, I was actually able to relax and realize that I reach a limit and I need to rest. And before 
I think I just pushed through because of my anxiety. Whereas now I get to a point, I'm like, I actually need a nap. And if I don't nap and I just, if I push through that without the anxiety there to kind of pull me through, um, I just feel really not very nice, like really down and more exhausted and crabby. <laughs> so I've, I really benefit from napping at the moment. I've been going to bed early. I just feel really exhausted in the evenings. And instead of doing more things, I think, Hey, I've done enough today and I just go to bed early. And what's really funny is I'm actually waking up before my alarm goes off, which to me is indicating by going to bed early, I'm getting enough sleep and I'm only waking up maybe like 15 minutes before it, but it's nice to like naturally wake up. Whereas before my alarm would just be like, whoa, like scare the absolute bejeebus out of me. Um, I think too, as a HSP, realizing I was very alone in my childhood, um, not having other people like me around me, um, being the last pick for sport, um, the last pick for the tent at camp, um, the last pick to sleep next to at a sleepover. I think I was just very misunderstood and it's so nice to now see that through the HSP lens because before I just thought I was a kid that no one liked. And in my adult life, I find, um, well, I, it might sound a bit vain, but I feel like I'm fairly likable and it's such a big contrast to my childhood where I didn't feel likable at all. Um, and I think it's just cause I, again, misunderstood and didn't have a lot of kids around me that knew what I was going through and what I was thinking and feeling. And I mustn't have had many other HSPs around me. That's, that's the reality, or at least not HSPs that feel the feelings to the extent that I do like that sort of extreme sensitivity. Um, I feel like I had a teacher for a, a fair amount of time in primary school and um, I would say she probably didn't even know about this trait. I mean, my mum didn't know about it. I I didn't know about it till I was, you know, like only a couple of months ago, 33 years old, just finding out now, better late than never. Um, but I feel like so many people don't know about it and that's why I want to keep putting the word out there. And I think my teacher, like she was very well-meaning and she had an approach of just like wanting to toughen me up, but that's actually not what HSPs need. They actually need a lot of nurture and care, um, in order to thrive. Um, I feel like the default is if someone's really sensitive, like you do want to toughen them up, it makes sense, but it's not what we need. So I feel like that did have an influence on me, a teacher that, um, yeah, was trying to get me to toughen up more than nurturing my trait. And I feel like there's a lot of pros and cons in that because it did really alert me to like real world and, um, yeah, things that I might have difficulties with later on. And at the same time, I think I needed a bit more nurture as well. So I don't blame that teacher in any way. I have so much respect for that teacher. Um, and because I was in Steiner education, I was with that teacher for five years. So it's very unique compared to like any other school where you'd have one teacher per year kind of thing. 
I think, I think that's how that works. Um, so I was with her for a very long time and that's very unique. And I think that's why it probably had more of an impact than say it would have had I just been at a regular school. That being said, I think she had probably a much more positive impact on my life than I would have gotten at a primary school like because there were still elements of that nurture in there, just not as much as I needed. And that's just the reality. Um, I was always called quite clever as a child and like wise. And I used to have like really deep conversations with adults as a child, which is I think pretty rare. Um, even to this day, I tend to get along with people better that aren't my age, like either much younger or much older. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why that is, but that's just me. Maybe that's a HSP thing. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But, um, I just thought I'd mention that. Um, Oh, I've written the same thing twice. That's okay. Skip that one. Um, I get easily bored. Um, and what's tricky is I need routine, but then I find repetition really mundane and boring. So it's like this constant battle. I think I might've mentioned it in the first episode. Like I've always got one foot on the brake and one foot on the, I go to say gas, but that's so American, like one foot on the accelerator. That's probably more Aussie. Um, yeah, I'm just constantly in this battle with myself. Like, do I do more? Do I do less? If I do less, I feel guilty. If I do more, I feel exhausted. Like it's a really fine line. Um, I've always struggled when there's competition involved. And Elaine Aaron says, we generally won't engage in competition if we know we're going to lose. I mean, that's pretty smart, isn't it? And if we know we're going to win, it's not really a competition. And I think that's so interesting because as a kid um when I was playing board games with my family or friends I would get so competitive and like have to win and it would be like my whole self-worth would depend on winning that game and everyone around me saw it as I think like quite selfish and self-centered that I had to win um but it wasn't that at all it was the fact that if I didn't win um I'd basically feel like an absolute failure. And I know that's not very realistic because we're talking like about Ludo. Does anyone remember the game Ludo? Like that game was a vibe back in the day. Um, oh, like it's just crazy. And then it's funny because I now have a tendency to want to pick games that I know I'll win, but then I know again that that's not really fair but it's really validating because then I like I'll win. So things like I love playing Boggle, like I'm a real, I love word games and I've recently discovered Bananagrams and is it, oh, what is it? Is it Quirt? No, not Quirtle. It starts with a Q-U. Um, let me Google it. I love like real time Googling because, no, it's not Quirtle. That's something else. Um, Quiddler. Quiddler, that's what it's called. It's a card game, but it's like Bananagrams, but not as fast paced. Anyway, I've recently discovered both of those and I really like them. They're really cool games. And it's weird. I don't actually mind other people winning those games because I know that I've got a pretty good chance of winning them myself and that it's kind of a bit of luck of the draw. So yeah, it's just weird. Anyway, I thought I'd mention that. Um, Oh, and this thing, I react so strongly when I feel like I'm in trouble. And that is apparently a really big, like, HSP thing. Um, 
And I never knew that. Like, I just thought, I don't know. I I think I thought I was a bit self-righteous. Like, oh, I can't be in trouble. Like, I don't know. And it's funny because my parents both score, like, mum scores quite highly on this, like me and dad's kind of in the moderate range. But he has a lot of trouble with this as well. Mum, not so much. But, yeah, super interesting. It's like when we're in trouble, it's like the end of the world. Like, it's... Again, that visceral response. I feel sick. Like, and it it won't even be anything big. Like, it could even be getting pulled over for a random breath test. Like, it's it's nuts. Like, and you're not even in trouble, but it's the prospect of feeling like you're in trouble is the, the hardest part. So those were my realizations. And then what I did was I started reading the book. Um I got a copy um from the bookstore, from the bookstore. And, um, I just started reading it and I'm still working my way through because as you can imagine, it's a lot to process and I want to take my time, but I've written notes as I've read through. And as I've read through, if something pops into my head, like from my childhood or now where I'm like, Oh my God, that's why I do that. I write it down. Or if I have, yeah. So like revelations, realizations, and memories are things that are like interspersed. Um, I think the first part where I've started writing about the book, I've really just written about the book. So I'll get, gets to cracking on that today. And look, I reckon there's going to be a lot of parts to this and totally get if it's not your thing, but I still hope there's something for you to learn from it. Um, I would say that finding this out has changed my life. Um, I'm still processing it to be honest. Um, like what it's like, it's only been, I'm just trying to think. Yeah. It's only been like a month, just over a month to me. It feels like it's been like six months, but the reality is it hasn't. It's been just over a month and that's super validating because I'm really overwhelmed by it still. And I'm still processing it. Um, one thing Elaine writes is that sensitivity is difficult to observe by watching how people behave. Um, and it's about observing the not behaving. So I think for other people, it's probably very hard to see that we are HSPs, but then for us HSPs, it's probably quite easy for us to see traits that other people have. Oh, I've actually written a memory here. Um, as a kid, sometimes not wanting to join in, just observe, um, a teacher pulled me up on this. I was buddy reading at Excelsior. This was when I was in like kinder year one. Um, and I had to be paired with a buddy and do this reading task and I didn't want to do it. And the teacher like, and, and I was like standing back, just watching everyone else do it, which is apparently a very typical HSP thing. Um, and the teacher kind of came up to me and she's like, Lisa, you have to do this. And I remember saying, no, I don't want to. And I, I can't remember what happened, but I just distinctly remember really not wanting to do it. And that teacher forcing me and the, what's really important to acknowledge here is it's, I guess, people's responsibility to not press us if we don't want to do something like we're responding to our over arousal and our overwhelm by not doing the thing. We might still do it later, but it's important we do that in our own time, not someone else's. Um, 30% of HSPs are extroverts. I think I mentioned that in part one. That's me. Um, 
we're chameleons around other people. Um, we do whatever it takes to fit in. That's so true. Like, I feel like I act differently around different people and that's because I'm adapting to them ultimately. Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, important thing to note here is sensory. So they've labeled this sensory processing sensitivity, which is important to note is unrelated to sensory processing disorder. So one's a sensitivity and the other is a disorder in the fact that it's not working properly. Ours is working too well, like it's on overdrive. Um, it affects everything about us, about anyone that's HSP. The trait affects, yeah, just every element of our lives. It is our style. Um, we can benefit more from interventions. Um we can have different susceptibilities to things. Some of us might be more prone to depression and anxiety due to difficult childhoods. I think really important here to note that that could mean difficult at home or in other contexts. So for me, I had a beautiful home life. Um, my parents are just gorgeous people, gorgeous humans that did a great job of raising me. But I would say that I had a pretty difficult time at school and that obviously influenced my later experience of depression and anxiety, as well as genetics. Um, so I just thought that was really important to note because in the book, she does state this and then she goes to talk a lot about difficulty at home, not so much at school, but that's a very important thing to note that some of us had it great at home, but school was rough. Um, others around us tend to see that we're very creative, conscientious, kind, have a lot of foresight. Um, we learn from our prior experiences to better predict the future. Um, we normally struggle a lot more with negative emotions and have more physical symptoms, as I mentioned earlier, when we're stressed. Um, and we get stressed at work and we have more anxiety. Um, and I love this. It's largely a genetically determined trait, which is so validating because it's like you cannot change this about yourself like there is nothing wrong with you there is nothing to be fixed you are the way you are because of your genes and apparently it's due to up to 10 variations on seven of our dopamine controlling genes like isn't that crazy so that's where our sensitivity comes from and that's why there's a spectrum of us because there's 10 different variations on seven different genes and we can all have different variations um, on different genes. Um, the trait is intrinsic. We can't get rid of it, like I just said. Uh, we pause to check or observe or reflect before we act. I've always seen myself as being very indecisive. I now realize I'm just pausing and I'm assessing and I'm observing and I'm processing and that's actually a really good thing. Um, this trait has to be a minority. So it's about one in five, um, maybe even a bit less than that. I think all literature says a slightly different number. Some says one in four, some says one in five, some says one in six. Um, it's somewhere around there. And again, I like to remember there's a spectrum within that one in five or whatever. Um, 
so coming back, it has to be a minority because if everyone was sensitive, there'd be no advantage to being sensitive. So to be like, I like this analogy. If like, now that we all have, um, a GPS, we all know the shortcuts to a place. Whereas before when we didn't have a GPS, we just had maps. It was like maybe word of mouth or you found a shortcut. Um, thinking of it like that, like once everyone knows that that's a shortcut, it's no longer a shortcut. I hope that makes sense, but that's just a useful analogy that it makes sense to me. Um, when a past experience is negative, we can overgeneralize or avoid or feel anxious in many current or future situations that are similar. Like that is so me. Um, so important to acknowledge our nervous system can only take so much and that we really need to take a break. That's super important. Um, what I might do, I'm just going to go through the next part, which talks about this really cool acronym and that's where I might finish it up for today. So that'll take a little bit to get through, but just to give you a bit of a, a light at the end of the HSP tunnel, um, important to acknowledge it's a, it's, a category, not a dimension. So you're either HSP or you're not. And then in the same token within that, it's on a bit of a spectrum. So you can be really highly sensitive or low, high sensitive or moderate. Yeah. Differs. Um, we are hardly alone, but we are not like most of us around us. If that makes sense. We notice things other people don't. Um, Another realization, I have like insane facial recognition. So I don't necessarily remember names, but if I've seen a person's face somewhere, I will always like, I'll remember that face forever. Like I'll just take it all in. It's weird. Like it could be anyone, anywhere. It could be, I see someone at a conference and then years later, I see them somewhere else on the street even. And I'm like, I know that person. Um, and they have no idea who I am, but I know who they are, like by their face. Um, but I find that happens to me a lot. And um, it happens with celebrities in movies as well. Like if I've watched that actor before, I will have this innate ability to go, yep, that person's from this film. And it could be like, I've only seen them once before, but I'll remember that I've seen them once before. So yeah, that's just something I do. Um, we process everything more and we relate and compare to the past. So moving on to this, um, acronym that Elaine Aaron talks about, um, it's called does D O E S like you does it. <laughs> um, and she just talks about the fact that like three out of the four letters are really positive and one not so much. So the first one is our depth of processing is so high. We observe, we reflect, we process a lot. And that's where our good intuition sense comes from. Um, it's mostly to do with the fact that there's a part of our brain called the insula that is much more activated and it integrates moment to moment knowledge of our inner states, emotions, body positions, and outer events. So that's constantly on, like you can't really switch it off. Obviously there's ways that we can moderate it and 
like if you shut your eyes, you're obviously going to be taking in a lot less information. Um, I have to remind myself I have this tendency to seek out like million senses at once and then I get more overwhelmed and I really need to like rope it in and bring it back and go, right, I'm just going to focus on one thing at a time. But that's because my insula is so active and it's like, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that over there? What's that over there? It's constantly taking everything in more so than most people would. And that's exhausting. So sometimes I reach a limit for the day and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Taken on enough. So when I travel to new places or I'm, yeah, somewhere that's not familiar, that part of me is so active and naturally I get more exhausted. The O stands for overstimulation. So this is the downside to being a highly sensitive person. We tend to wear out a lot sooner. Like I just said, I've kind of already talked into it. Um, we have trouble paying attention after a certain point. So I find if I'm in training, any training um, at work, I'll hit a point where I'm like, no, nah, done. Brain, brain outside, body inside, like I'm checked out. And I can't take on any more information. And I recently ran a training for a group of um, school counsellors down in Sydney. It was so cool to be doing that. It's like such a privilege. Um, and yeah, so I recently did that. And I acknowledged that I knew people could only take on so much. And I really like changed up the pace throughout the day to keep people engaged and after lunch, we all hit like a carb slump and we were like, okay, I'm done. I was done. They were done. And we just had to push through. So I tried to just give them little bits they could still take knowing that their attention had really gone out of the room. And I think what was good is I structured the day so that most of the really important information was at the start. I don't even know what, yeah, it just happened that way, but it was very good to structure it that way. Um, so long commutes, noisy and cluttered spaces, having a lot to remember means that we're very easily stressed by overstimulation, particularly socially. Um, another analogy, a piece of metal shows stress when overloaded. So if you can think of a piece of metal, like um, any metal, but maybe a harder metal that on its own looks pretty sturdy, that's us. But then when you put too much on that piece of metal, it's going to potentially break. It's going to start to bend and yeah, um, show stress. Um, so we notice subtle social cues easily. And again, if you're out and about socially, you're going to get more easily overwhelmed. The E is for emotional reactivity. So this is a really positive thing. It means we're emotional leaders in situations. We often react before others do. And this is we have quite active mirror neurons. They don't necessarily say we have more than other people, um, but ours are, are rapidly firing. So we act, react more strongly to positivity, to negativity. Um, our empathy is like on overdrive. We know how someone else feels and often we feel that way ourselves. Sometimes we know what other people are feeling before they do. And if we point it out to them, then they get a bit like defensive because they don't know they're feeling it yet. And I've had that happen. It's crazy. I think my mom does it to me sometimes and I'm like, mom, I'm not feeling that way. And then you kind of think about it and you're like, oh, damn it, mom, damn it. You got me good. 
Um, emotions are at the center of wisdom. I'm not sure what I meant by that, but I think it means we're, we're more wise because we're taking on all of those feelings that are around us. Very affected by test scores. Oh my goodness. That is so me. Like, oh, all through high school, uni, actually even primary school. I remember like I always wanted to get like top marks. And if I didn't, whew, again, visceral reaction of sadness and disappointment in myself. Uh, we're really good at organizing events because we can anticipate what others will enjoy hashtag entertainment coordinator. So it's funny because when I go away for work, I'm like always the one organizing what we're going to do outside of the training. So it might be like, we'll go to a comedy show or a theater show and we'll go out for dinner. And I've got a buddy now who helps me with that, which is so nice. Um, and it's really good to, to not be doing it by myself. Cause it can be a bit stressful. Um, especially when you're trying to order a maxi cab for, like 12 people and it doesn't show up on time. Not ideal. So moving on to S and this is where I'm going to end today's episode. Um, to be honest, I'm really tired and I don't want to do any more than that. So that's where I'm going to finish. Um, S is for sensing the subtle. So all of these are obviously interrelated and interlinked. Um, we can strategize a response based on our awareness of others, nonverbal cues. And again, this comes back to being aware of others' emotions before they are. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, we're just we're just really sensitive to the subtle. Like I think for me, I have a really acute sense of um, sense of acute attention to detail. Um, and I can pick up on things really quickly. Um, like if you give me a page of information and ask me to find one thing, like I'll spot it straight away. And I notice other people doing this and they take a lot longer. I think it just pops out of the page to me. Like I just, I just can't help it. Um, uh, we're more creative. We more often feel a sense of awe. So we feel all emotions more intensely. And that means we can feel really down and depressed and sad sometimes. And then on the flip side of that, we can feel such joy and excitement and awe at things that other people don't feel as intensely. So it's a bit of a catch 22. Um, a realization is I'm really thrown by things that are thrust at me at the last minute. Like I don't deal well with last minute change. I'm, I deal pretty good with change in general. Um, as soon as I know a change is happening, I'll start to process what that means. But if it's like so quick that I don't have time to process, that's where I really struggle. So if someone's like, um, we have a meeting in five minutes and I'm like, what meeting? And they're like, didn't you get the invitation? And it's like, no, I didn't. Because if I did, I would know about said meeting. And this has happened to me before. I've just been left off the list and I... That would probably be another thing. I respond really strongly when I'm like left out of things. So you've got like a double whammy there. You got, le got left out, didn't even get included on the list. And then also um, being thrown by having no time to process the fact that there's a meeting in five minutes. And then 
like I've already got plans. Like I have a young person booked in in half an hour and now I'm meant to attend said meeting and then I don't want to let that young person down. So then I'm texting them and saying I'll be late and then I feel bad. And then like, it's just too much. Like I don't need that in my life. So where I can avoid that, I really try to, um, ideally if my managers understand that about me, then they'll know why I might react so strongly. And that's actually an area that when me and my supervisor are looking at, at work to make things a bit easier. So that's it for part two. Um, I just wanted to really describe that does acronym and a few of my realizations. Um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening. I hope there are a lot of HSPs out there that are listening. Hopefully you found the episode by typing in highly sensitive and it's popped up. Um, Another thing I do want to share down the track is I recently had a online, like, I guess you call it like a coaching call with this guy called Willow. Oh, sorry. 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 I said I was tired. Um, and he is such a guru on all things HSP. He calls it, um, what do you call it? Um, high sensory intelligence. So he's just got a bit of a different spin on it, but I find it's a much more positive, like there's a more positive connotation to that than there is to sensitivity. Um, especially when you try and explain it to other people. Um, Anyway, this guy was phenomenal. So he's a HSP as well. And he just picked up on things that I'm already doing in my work that I didn't realize I was doing that is different to how other people probably work and is of great benefit to the people that I work with. And that I just came away from it feeling like, oh, like I'm actually, I'm enough. I'm doing enough. Like, yeah, I get caught up in doing all these extra things, but in the, in the moment with my young people, like I'm doing really good work. And that was so nice to hear. Um, and I, I really love to share that with you. Um, I'll, I might see if I can get his permission to actually share the interview with you because he did record it. Um, if I don't get to, I'll definitely still talk about it and summarize it. Um, but yeah, that'll be coming up in some future episodes. Hopefully, um, back on here in a couple of weeks guys but thank you so much for listening um it's so nice to know there's people out there enjoying these episodes um i don't know who you are i I do know a handful of you um a lot of you guys are from my work and i love you guys so much and i thank you so much for your support um i'm assuming yeah there's colleagues from other walks of my life um and just people i've never met before so thank you for listening and being here um, and I hope this is a topic that you're getting engaged with and yeah, I'll try and get another one up soon. Um, you can, co- con- blah, blah, blah. you can contact me on Instagram if you have any questions or topic suggestions. Um, I think I'm under at Patronus Psych on Insta. Um, and yeah, that's probably the easiest way to get in contact with me. And otherwise, take care, say hi to your mum for me, and um, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Psych on the mic, psych on the mic, psych on the mic.